I'm going to invite you all to stand tonight. These are Jesus' words in Luke 21. And uh, the title of this section and kind of the whole part is The Coming of the Son of Man. Verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near." And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you will see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day came upon you suddenly, come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you will you may have strength to escape all these things that you're going that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, it's Christmas time. It's uh, pretty awesome. Anybody enjoy looking at Christmas lights, doing all the you know, fun, the shopping, the, the parties, the gatherings, the, all, the, all the fun things of the season? Um, my wife and I were able to go up to see our son sing at a Christmas concert at Iowa State this last Sunday. Wonderful. I uh, got to sing hymns, or Christmas hymns in between things. It's great to go to a public university and hear about Jesus. It's, it was beautiful. Uh, beautiful voices lifting praise uh, to God. And uh, we, walked, we went to Riemann Gardens. Um, well, we didn't go in. We just drove around like five times uh, to look at all the Christmas lights. And it was gorgeous. We had to wait for our son. He had a meeting. And then we went to uh, the center of campus and saw their big honking Christmas tree. I don't know how tall that thing is, 60 foot or whatever. Big Christmas tree. So, I don't know, just... It was nice. We, we enjoy doing that. We enjoy just kind of experience, just taking a little time and just spending a little time talking and looking at Christmas lights. Um, and it's fun. And uh, is it, it's literally impossible to miss that it's Christmas time, right? I mean, if, you, if some, some person from another country came here, they'd be like, what is going on here with all these lights? If they had no idea what a Christmas was, they'd have to ask, right? It is obvious. I, I'm reminded of, uh, I had a uh, a little um, Jewish agnostic professor up at Iowa State, and I remember him complaining. He's like, man, this Ames is so, so Christian around here. It's just, ah, oh, I hate it. And he's like, I'm like, got a feeling he's not going to like me very much. So, um, and I came out later in the class that I was a Christian and I believe in the absolute truth of Jesus, and that didn't, that didn't go so well either for me. Anyway, I dropped out of that program, and well, here I am. Uh, but that's kind of how that all started. But if you're, if you're missing Christmas, there's, I mean, you're not paying attention. Um, it's everywhere. Now, the origins of Christmas are very interesting. I mean, uh, the first Christians, like the first, you know, 300 years or so, they didn't really celebrate Christmas. Obviously, they knew Jesus was born in Bethlehem and all the things, but they didn't know what day it was. So it'd be like, hey, let's pick this day to be Jesus' birthday. But we really don't want to be wrong, so let's just, let's just not make a big deal out of that. So they didn't. And, um, you know, I respect that. But then by the time Constantine converts, he's like, 
you know what, there's a bunch of these pagan holidays, and I'm a Christian, and there's a lot of Christians around here, and I'd like to kind of Christianize some of these other holidays and make them a little less, I don't know, drunken, raucous parties and make them a little more, you know, oriented to the living God. And so December 25th was a big celebration back then, and that would have been to the, let's see here, they celebrated two holidays. They had the... uh, uh, Saturn was the two-week festival of all the gods of agriculture, and then the birth of Mirtha is the sun, was their sun god, and that was on the 25th. So that was like a two-week bender, and then another big one on the 25th uh, back in the late 300s. So that's kind of where Christmas started. It was an appropriation of culture, <laughs> and here we are today. And I don't know if you've, does anybody have any friends who aren't Christian who celebrate Christmas? I have tons. Like, go on Facebook. I'm like, why are all my agnostic friends putting up Christmas trees and putting up lights? I'm like, but then it makes me go, oh, well, maybe it still has some of this other connotation. But it does, you know, goodwill towards men and charity and being a nice person. And, you know, everybody likes good food and drink and, and meeting people and family. So I get why they wouldn't want to miss out, right? I'd, I'd want to be part of that, too. But Christmas still really took on, a lot, you know, the idea of the Christmas tree didn't happen until like the Middle Ages, uh, and, and the Germans, I think, kind of started that one. Um, we even got, uh, you know, Santa Claus brought in there, and it really got popular in America uh, by that, you know, book, Night Before Christmas in the 1800s. It wasn't until 1870 that it was actually a national holiday. And uh, Ulysses S. Grant wanted to use it as a way to help heal the nation post-Civil War. And uh, so that's kind of the American history of it. And I'm guessing it looks a little different than it did back then, but it's still, well, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. He probably was born in the spring, maybe in the summer. They probably wouldn't have asked for a census in the middle of the winter. That would have been a little harder to maybe travel, wouldn't have been so nice, or in the extreme heat of the summer. So they're not sure. Uh, we know the wise men showed up eventually, might have been even two years later. So there's a lot of those things uh, that, well, they're true. But the way we celebrate Christmas, you know, some people want to point at, like, oh, he wasn't born on December 25th. I'm like, yeah, and so what? He, didn't, he wasn't born? I'm like, of course he was born. So there's a, the word Adventus is the Latin term for Advent. So we are at an Advent service. These services actually started in the, like, 400s. They have records of this. So there's been, ad, Christians have been celebrating Advent for a long time. But it's really the Greek, or the Latin translation of the Greek word parousia, Parousia is like a moment in time. It's the time of Jesus arriving. And it's used, you know, like 25 times in the New Testament. So the, really, it's the parousia of Christ. And we're living between the two parousias. He came, and he's coming back again. So as we're living between these two advents, or the parousias, um, I thought it would be good to say, what is different about now and then? So Jesus shows up, and who really knows that he's born? Well, Mary knew, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, she couldn't have missed that one. Uh, her husband knew. Uh, we also know that, you know, Elizabeth and Zechariah, John's parents, they're probably aware, John's aware. Uh, we have Simeon and Anna when Jesus gets presented at the temple. Um, but really, we have a bunch of shepherds out in a field that got sang to by some angels that told them not to be afraid, and we have the peace on earth and all that stuff. So... But the number of people that knew about the birth is pretty low. I mean, really under the radar. Pretty lowly, not a big deal. Uh, doesn't make the history books kind of thing, right? 
Well, the second time Jesus is coming back, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be completely different in 27, 28. And then will they see Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. We've been talking about the last day a lot this year. <laughs> and we are talking about, well, again, tonight. So I, whenever I hear this idea that Jesus is going to come in the clouds, that means everybody in the world is going to see him. Nobody's going to miss him. There's no doubt it's the last day. I wonder if this is the last No, it's the, everybody's going to know. It will not be like the first parousia. It will be, the second one will be much different. The first one, we see Jesus coming like, you know, low and meek, and the angels are peace and all these things. The second time, we got a, we got a righteous judge coming back to judge the living and the dead. Really different. First Thessalonians 4, I think... I just like going to this, and I've cited this in the prayers tonight. I cited on Facebook this last week for someone who was mourning, and it's appropriate because it's talking about the second coming. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Christ, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So there it is, the rapture. <laughs> anybody who's alive if Jesus comes back right now we're brought up with him in the clouds new heavens new earth we come down with them new bodies everything okay so we don't have anything to worry about on that last day so that is much different so I thought let's go through a few of the other things big difference a few people knew second time everybody's gonna know first time it's the beginning of the end Jesus is the beginning of end times and this end times is a time, is what we call the church age. People have the time to repent and believe. This is the time for people to turn away from their sins and towards God. This is the time to be saved. Second time, that's it. Time's up. There will be no second chance to repent and believe. First time, we have angels visiting Mary and Joseph and nice messages and saying, don't be afraid and goodwill towards mankind. Second time, have we been reading a little bit about angels and what they might be doing? Uh, the verse 5 in chapter 9 was about the angel pouring fire on the earth. That's a little different than the other parousia. Uh, their role will be different. How about uh, Jesus comes in very low, humble, Yes, I have to go there. Every time I think about little baby Jesus, I got to go to Talladega Nights. You know, little eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, you know. <laughs> Much different than the second time. He is not going to come low and humble. He's going to come in power and glory on the clouds, which we just read. So uh, how are they the same, though? Well, when Jesus came the first time, God's people were waiting for a long time. And now it seems like we've been waiting 
for a long time. The apostles thought they were going to get to see it within their lifetimes. And then he didn't show up. They're like, man, we should probably write some of this down. And so I'm glad they did. Because <laughs> they thought. In fact, in Thessalonians, it, it, we have Paul uh, spurring on people to not quit their jobs. Because we don't know when he's coming back. So keep being a good Christian and we'll let it, that take care of itself. The other thing that the, the, that the first parousia and the second one is that we had prophetic words to tell us what to look for. And so we have all these prophecies that have been fulfilled in Christ, right? And we have ones that are still yet to be filled. It's the now and the not yet. And those prophetic words that, God, that Christ will fulfill on the last day, which is really what we're seeing in Revelation, right? What this is gonna, he's gonna finally usher in no more sin, no more death, heaven comes to earth, and all the other ones. So we both have prophetic words to tell us. In fact, about a quarter of the Bible is prophecy. About one every four verses has some prophetic word in it, which is a lot. And God seems to fulfill every one of them. He has not gotten any of them wrong, and he will not get any of them wrong. But this, the last few verses here in 34 and 36 says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it, become, for it will become like upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So I don't know, is, anybody, is Christmas feeling like verse 34 to anybody? Is it feeling heavy? weighty, uh, time-consuming, a drag, <laughs> maybe not so joyful, maybe it has mourning, maybe it has sorrow. This is not what Christ came to give his people. If Christmas is becoming heavy, Jesus has another word for you. He says, I make my disciples to say, you know what? This needs to be light. Christmas is supposed to be a light yoke. In 28 and 29, Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So we are at the Christmas time just to remember that we do live between the two parousias, that there is, well, there's still something wrong with the world. There's still something wrong with us. And thankfully, we have no what to do with that. We have Christ, right? He has taken care of our sins. I mean, why did Jesus come? Why did that little baby grow to be a man to go to the cross and to pay for the sins of the world? That's the heavy yoke we could never carry the yoke of sins, the sins of the world. He becomes sin, and that heavy yoke that he bears, that we could never bear, pays for our sins on the cross, and then he rises on the third day. He, he, he ascends into heaven, and he sends his spirit, and he says, you know what, all of you people, you're my people. Yeah, there's gonna be persecution. It's not gonna be easy. I'm gonna bear with you that, but you have a light yoke, a light yoke, being my follower, because I've taken care of the heavy stuff. I've, he's done the heavy lifting of making you perfect and righteous and holy. Now, the gift that we have this Christmas, the Christian faith, right, 
the gift of Christ crucified for our sins, the forgiveness of sins. I hope nobody misses it, right? So when you're out looking at your Christmas lights, you're out doing your activities, it's easy to miss sometimes, but be intentional, focus. Why are those lights up there? Why is this going on? Why are we celebrating? Why are we coming here on Wednesday nights? It's because of Christ, and our yoke is very light. So I pray that this Christmas, as we're waiting for the second Persia, where we have nothing to fear because we will be found in Christ, that you will carry this light yoke forward and tell others about Christ. Amen. Will you stand and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the light yoke you have given us. Um, being your followers uh, can be very difficult in a world uh, that rejects you, but they rejected you and they will reject us. So I pray for perseverance, encouragement of one another, that these words that you give us of the promises that have been and will continue to be fulfilled in you, uh, this Christmas I pray that your yoke would be light for people, that if the things get too heavy, that they would just will turn from the things of this world and turn to you. So. Uh, thank you for the time on Wednesdays to just refocus ourselves and uh, carry this light yoke forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Receive the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon the favor and give you his peace. Have a wonderful evening.